season 11 dubcast once again. I am Michael Citro. I am Johnny Ginner. And uh, what do you think, Johnny? We, uh, we're we in the doldrums now. We're in the off-season for football and basketball You know, season. Uh, we got a little lull here between Michigan State and Michigan. It's uh, it's kind of slow this week. Uh, yeah, I'm. <laughs> I kind of feel like a dude just sitting at like a you know a BMV or something and not let anybody through. It's like it's gonna be one of those lazy weeks, you know, where I just you know you just chill, you know, sit and sit back and, and not really worry too much about much of anything. I guess you can, I, you know, if, if you have high expectations for the basketball team, I guess you can be a little angsty over the loss uh, against mm-hmm. Sparty, which, to be fair, definitely ended in a way that you didn't like, but the team also kind of played like crap. So, meh, you know, like that's that's kind of how I'm <laughs> feeling right now. You know, especially you hype D'Angelo Russell up for a bajillion years, and then he kind of, you know, doesn't really, <laughs> just has a wet fart of a game uh, against uh, the Spartans. So, you know, I, eh, that's kind of how I'm feeling right now. I'm not, I'm not really too upset about it, and we're not going to be able to, have this situation of a loss sitting over heads rectified until next Sunday because it's like almost a full week basically or even yeah it is over a full week until Ohio State will play again so it's kind of weird kind of a weird week yeah you know I'm not sweating too much the loss at uh, the Izone um, up there in East Lansing it's um, you know Ohio State is what it is it's a it's a team that's basically built around one guy right now and Tom right. Izzo's not a not a a foolish man. He knows how to shut that down. He's got athletes that can do that. And, you know, uh, you go up there and you lose a one possession game on the road and they shot something ridiculously horrible, like five of 13 from the free throw line. They were real bad. Yeah. Um, 13. You know, in, in my life playing basketball, I don't think I've only made five of 13 free throws at any given point. I definitely have. (laughs) That's because I'm terrible at basketball. I'm not saying I'm like a better basketball player than like no, you know, but I, I Tate or Shannon Scott or anything. You but would it's hope just that people who spend most of their waking hours either thinking about or practicing basketball would be able to do more than that. Uh, that's, that's exactly bad. that's less than thirty percent. Yeah, now I could go down to the park where there's probably a slight breeze and still make more than five out of thirteen at my age. But you know, there's no one behind the net, you know, with a giant head. Of somebody, you know, waving it at me and things like that. Do you so, think that really? Do you think that really impacts uh, shooters when they do that? Do you think that's something that really gets in their head? They're like, oh man, not if they're, I'm going to think this. Nice on giant head of like Miley Cyrus. Now I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, you know, not if they're if they're if they're disciplined, it shouldn't make any difference at all. But then again, if they're disciplined, they shouldn't be missing eight out of thirteen free throws. So yeah. maybe they're maybe it does you know affect this team, but. To me, that's just unforgivable. I mean, come on. I would. You, okay, there's seven days between games. So, seven days between games. They they better not be doing anything this week except shooting free throws. Like not a thing. Like not one. Time, right. Like they got plenty of time in practice yeah. to work on it. Well, Thad should just say, "Okay, everybody, uh, line up. You're shooting free throws. We're doing a thousand okay, what, of these today. You're not leaving the gym until you've made, <laughs> you know, twenty five in a row." Right, which, um, God, I would never be able to do that in my life. If you told me, like, if you took my dear beloved grandma and suspended her over a vat of acid and said, and Johnny, you have an hour to make 25 of these in a row, <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I'm like saying my goodbyes to Grandma because that's never going to happen. Like, it's not going to yeah. happen. <laughs> well, 25 in a row is kind of hard, but, you know. Even 10 in a row, your, man. I couldn't even do Your five Grandma could make more than five out of 13. I could, Man, I would hope so. But, I, you know, that's the thing about it because I, I think about these things when I'm watching sports. And there are certain feats of athleticism that I still feel like I'm semi-capable of doing. I'm not, you know, like I'm not that old. Like, I'm 30 years old, so it's not, like, too bad. But, like. On the other hand, there are other things that I watch guys do and just even simple shots that they take. And I'm like, there's no way in hell. That would never happen for me in a million years. Even <laughs> if I were the same age as them and had practiced a bunch, it would not happen. Um, so I, I try not to give them too much crap over three throws. However, with that said, I mean, you're right. Like, 5 of 13 is stupid. 13 it's is not a high number. I'm, yeah. It, I mean, it's 38.5%. Granted, it, you know... It's it, the percentage is magnified when you have a small sample size, sure. but uh, here's the thing: they shot 13 free throws. Michigan State only attempted seven. Right. <laughs> so, so there's a little disparity there. They should have used to their advantage. The other thing is, you know, it's not like they got killed on the boards. They they each had 31 rebounds. So right. it's, it, I, I'm looking at it this way: like you're speaking more of granny, of rebounds than Michigan. Speaking of granny, I could go out and shoot granny style free throws and make more than five <laughs> of the thirteen. Well, granny, that's saying, supposed to be more accurate, right? Practice, just freaking practice, you guys. Um, I, I just hate losing games where you where you have one thing you can point to that just like was it the Indiana game where they shot like three of like twenty from three point <laughs> range and yeah. lost by three. It's like. All right, maybe you take a dribble in and hit a two, couple of twos. <laughs> Are you surprised that Mark Loving only had like five minutes? Well, not really, because when did he really know that he was going to play in the game? It was only like a day or two before. Yeah, I think. but even so, it's not like he was out for like months and months. I mean, it was like, you know, it was a real short suspension, which again, we don't really know the details of. But, I'm, you know, <laughs> given how integral he is to the offense, I was a little surprised that at Sparty they wouldn't, you know, Playing a little bit more, especially with everybody yeah. else struggling. I mean, you know, D'Angelo Russell only going four of thirteen from the field is like that's bad. Like that's not good. <laughs> you know, especially yeah, for him. So I'm I'm surprised good. by that. Yeah, maybe maybe should have played a little more in retrospect. But um, you know, again, I don't know when he was cleared to play, and at that point, maybe Thad felt like we've already game planned for not having him, and I don't right. want to upset the game plan that kind of thing. I mean, you can. You can Amir certainly Williams argue with it. Seven minutes. What's that? Amir Williams did twenty-seven minutes. Amir Williams did a few things that weren't completely useless this week. That's so true. That's he wasn't. Kind of... He was not terrible. He was not terrible. He he was not good by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> but he wasn't like, why are you here? Like, why are you doing any of this? Like, well, let's face it. Not terrible. <laughs> not terrible is a step up in the right direction for that's Amir. True. That's true. And you do need. Um, so anyway, I mean, I don't think you can take a whole lot from from this. I mean, Michigan State isn't like you know chopped liver, I guess. Um, They're definitely not you're the going in, what they've been in the past, though. I, I will say true, but you know, you you are playing on the road, and you know, road games in conference are are you know crapshoots anyway. Even when you're at full strength, and uh, you know, you yeah, can go great. into Northwestern and lose, and and you know, Ohio State lost, got swept by Penn State last year. So I mean, <laughs> these right. things happen in in. in conference play and I'm not reading too much into it I think the team will still be okay um the the, the fact is some of these games would be like double digit losses uh, in some recent years uh, so you know losing by three is kind of encouraging considering how 
you know, poorly D'Angelo Russell played. I would like to see, I mean, they got Michigan, Nebraska, Purdue, and then Penn State before Wisconsin. I want to see at least three or four, if not four or four. I think I think that's what the team needs going into that last game. Like, they need to get mm. some momentum, and it can't just be D'Angelo Russell chucking up shots all the time. It's got to be, there's got to be a secondary score. And again, like Mark Loving, you know, for whatever reason he was suspended, hopefully it's not something that they're still PO'd him about, because I think that's without him... They don't have a whole lot offensively. I mean, you know, Shan's got 15 points, and it's great, but that's not something you can count on every game. So Yeah, and you need to count on more than three points off your bench. Sure, exactly. I mean, that's I'm not, like, an expert on basketball, but I think that's low. <laughs> Is that bad? I don't know. I think I don't think it's very good. I think, I think if, you have, great. if you have three bench players play and each one scores one point, that's probably not good. Yeah. I feel like that could be better somehow. Yeah, that could, that could be improved on. If only we had the answers. Right. But we can talk to somebody a little bit later that might have some answers for us, and we can move on to other things. Like uh, football. Yeah, let's talk about football. Football, Johnny, right I, around the bend, only, what, like six, seven months away? I mean, we're yeah, you know, like it's seven there, months it's away. <laughs> Spring game is April 18th, um, and uh, we may not have our good uh, – Good friend uh, Ezekiel Elliott uh, in the spring game. Yeah, got to have another surgery on the, that wrist. Although I, mean, I think what I think is great nah. is that he did all of that that he did at the end of the year with basically only able to hold the ball with one hand, right? Like you would yeah. feel at a certain point, defensive coordinators would be like, "Hey, he can't use his other hand. Just just swat at that one hand. Like he he's not going to be able to transfer it. Just come at him from that one hand that he's going to be holding it in and just start punching at it." <laughs> and nobody did. Yeah. And he just like like it's hilarious because I watched you know obviously I watched the Wisconsin and and Alabama and Oregon game over and over and over. He never switched hands and he never could in the middle of a run. Like a dude would be running up on him like on the same side that he was holding the ball, and he wouldn't be able to switch it. And I'm like, man, this is like something bad should have happened, and it didn't. And it's really funny that it didn't. And I don't think he should have surgery. I just think he should just keep holding it in that one hand. Chop the other one off, <laughs> and that's fine. I think that would work just just perfectly, actually. You know, he did that pretty much all year because I remember thinking, I can't believe that our other other wrist hasn't healed yet because he would he would run to his left with the ball in his right hand. Yeah. And I re- was there one game where he actually did put the ball in his left hand and he fumbled. <laughs> I mean, probably. I mean, that sounds. No, I mean that actually did happen. It was like okay, um, I guess you know he's not used to holding it in that hand, that. so. <laughs> But, I mean, it was cool the way he held the ball up in his right hand, and he held it up high, and he, you know, he protected it when guys came near. He, he would put his other arm over and kind of cover it. I thought he did a real nice job of covering for the fact that he only was playing one-handed. Uh, and still came within 50 yards of Eddie George's season, you know, single-season record. You know what, and people here, I want to say something about that. People were saying that, well, it's more games, blah, blah, blah. Well, I understand that. And that that does make sense, I think, on the surface of it. But you've got to look at carries, too. And I think that's because a lot of times, like, for instance, uh, you know, Archie's, you know, Archie Griffin with all the, the carries that he had, you know, he didn't play as many games, but he oftentimes had way more carries per game than Ezekiel Elliott had. So I think that's probably right. the best way to compare those records. And, yeah, he didn't get the record, but... I don't know that him playing in more games makes it any less legitimate than some of the other records that are out there simply because of the amount of carries that he was given. If he were given right. the same amount of carries, especially, I think, you know, in the beginning of the season, 
he might have easily broken that record. So oh, he would have definitely he would definitely have broken the record yeah. had he gotten more carries. But th- here's the thing, you know, Eddie George played in a time when the offenses weren't quite as pass happy, and then you go back to Archie and forget about it. They hardly ever threw the ball. It was like oh, eight sure. times a game. Right. So you know. You're right. I mean, you got to look at the, the carries. I, I think the important thing is not only the attempts, but also yards per attempt. Right. And, uh, you know, you look at that, and, and Zeke's uh, season really stacks up against anybody's in Ohio State history. So, um, so Zeke, you know, you can get the wrist fixed if you want to, but just keep using that right hand. Yeah, man. I, I feel like it, it does not work. Yeah, it's not really a necessity, you know, if you think about it. <laughs> you don't really need both <laughs> hands for anything. Yeah, speaking of injured uh, Buckeyes, um, Braxton tweeted this week that he's throwing the football, and I, I find that really, really hard to believe. I mean, I mean I'm not calling him a liar kind of, or anything. What kind I'm of just, football are we talking about? Right. Like, like, like is it a Nerf is, football? Is it? It might be a Nerf football. Is it like a paper tabletop football made <laughs> out of paper, lined paper? I don't know. Uh, you know, it's still the injury that he had. It'd be great if he were ahead of schedule and we could get him back for fall camp. That would be super awesome. I, you know, I'm not a doctor. I can't diagnose anything that's going on with Braxton Miller. Only him and James Andrews, and maybe not even you know Braxton himself. Honestly, really knows how that's going to work out. So you know, and they were saying he's on schedule. Everything's going great last year up until the point where he blew out his shoulder again. So. Mm-hmm. That, and that's that's a larger question that we're going to have to really look at in the offseason, especially maybe after we see how Cardale does in the spring game and maybe some of the other quarterbacks. It'll be really funny, you know, if you know, Collier comes in and, like, lights up the entire world and everybody's like, I don't know, backup quarterbacks, man. They can come <laughs> the deeper you go, the better they get. Well, that's what I'm saying, yeah. Let's just go to, like, yeah. the fifth or sixth string and, and just see what they got. Um but in general, let's let's let Nick Vanette play quarterback. Yeah, I mean, in theory, everybody could play quarterback. You just got to go <laughs> throw the ball. I don't, you know, again, I don't know. I, I think that's great that he's saying that. I actually don't know if that means anything. And we're not going to know, honestly, until the middle or end of August, probably, which which sucks. What I hope it doesn't earlier, mean. But, yeah. I hope it doesn't mean that he's rushing back because he's seen what Barrett and, and Cardale Jones can do sure. and so that he's pushing himself. Because, I mean, it, I was shocked to read that because I thought he's not going to be able to pick up the football till August, maybe light tossing, you know, the first couple weeks of August. And then, then yeah. maybe he could start zipping it a little bit more. But, you know, I, again, I'm like you. I'm not a doctor. I don't know what, this, what the timetable is. I just know that it was described – you know, in many stories last year as a full year recovery. Right. Well, I, I mean, again, I'm not, first of all, James Andrews is, is a hell of a surgeon. So maybe he just did really well. And, and maybe that's part of it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to speculate honestly on what Braxton's doing. Cause I don't really know. Uh, but I, I do wish him a very happy and quick recovery because yes, that'd be sweet. I, you know, again, we, we forget because we won a national championship and JT Barrett and Cardell were so great, but Man, Braxton Miller is basically like Gandalf on cleats. Like that dude is a freaking wizard. He can like I, I've seen him do things with his feet, and primarily his feet, yes, but with his feet that I have never seen any other football player ever do. And mm-hmm. like I just I want that guy back in some capacity. And if that means playing quarterback, I'm cool with that too. If that means he's healthy and he can go, I think that would be great for the team. Yeah, I agree. And and, and you heard uh, players say this week that without him you know, there's no championship. Right. 
regardless of the fact that he didn't play this year. Without him, there was not was no championship. So important guy. I hope he's not pushing things too hard. Um, maybe Dr. Andrews is like Mr. Miyagi, and he just did that clap, rubbing his hands thing yeah. together and, you know, and, and fixed it. Yeah, maybe he just fixed it. Uh, so the last thing I want to get to before we get to the Ask Us Anything, Johnny, is this um, the story this week that uh, Rivals, the uh, scouting service, is now going to be looking at sixth graders. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and my my initial reaction was, ew. <laughs> and, and then, you know, I thought about it a little bit, and then I kind of thought, ew. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like it, get wor- it gets worse the more you think about it. It's it, creepy. Like, you have a big, like, hairy, fat uncle, like, in a Speedo. Shows up at like the pool, you know. You're like a family gathering in August, and you're like, "Man, that's gross." And then, yeah. and then you're like, you're, you're you wander off, and you get some food and some drink. You're sitting down, you forget about it, and then he like wanders right in front of you and sits down across from you. And you're like, "I gotta get up. I gotta leave. This is even worse than I remember." And, and that's and that's basically what it's like. Like you, like at first you're like, "Wow, that's stupid," and then you think about it, and you're like. That's horrible. Like that's that's the dumbest thing. And they do this with basketball, right? They do this for kids in basketball, which again I think is insane because you have no idea how a kid's going to develop through puberty and all these other things. Um, right. But it just opens the door to so much crap. Like I hate the fact that even seniors in high school have to deal with the kind of stalkerish, weird behavior that people exhibit towards recruits. Sixth graders don't need to be opened up to that. At all. Yeah. Like, at all. There is really no reason for it. I think one of the kids, uh, he's a quarterback. He's five foot two, according to them. <laughs> like, that kid, man, that kid might go through puberty and grow an inch, right? Yeah, and never play football that. again. Like, and then the other one's like six, like, he's clearly like an early bloomer. And he's like six foot 170 or something, but he may grow another 10 inches and be all legs and arms and not be able to play anything. He might be 300 pounds at, at age right. 18. It, it, it's, it's incredibly silly. And I, I think, here's the thing, we can joke about it and say, like, ah, it's really funny, Blah. Or we can even, like, you know, wring our hands and say, you know, won't somebody think about the children? Here's the bigger issue for me, okay, aside from the kids, which is obviously huge. But for me, the, the, the issue that maybe people aren't thinking about as much is the fact that this is just done to – this is a financial move for rivals, sure. right? This is like, hey, how, how can we get people to buy more subscriptions to our site? I know. Let's increase the amount of recruits that we're tracking so people are going to want to know about these things earlier. They're trying to create a market for people, and that's what really is messed up to me about this whole thing. They're using kids – to monetize their site better. And, and that I don't like that. That's what bothers me the most. It takes the advantage of kids. It's wrong. And it's done in the pursuit of cash, you know, and more subscriptions. And that's messed up. It is messed up. I don't, I, I, I don't want to go to a recruiting site and click on it and go and see the stats and see this picture of this little kid. Right. It's like, that's to me, that's just a little bit out of bounds. I, I really think it should be, Cut off at ninth grade. Yeah, you know, ninth, and even then, grade. honestly, like I mean, again, I teach fourteen and fifteen year olds all day, and I'm like, man, this is like they can barely manage, like they can barely like take on the responsibility of having a Snapchat or a Kick or something. Like they don't need to be having their faces <laughs> and names plastered all over the internet with you know people trying to like talk to them on Twitter or whatnot. That's ugh, it's gross. Yeah, I agree. So. um I think we we found out here tonight is we're both against it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Oh, uh, well, 
you know, we won't solve all the ills of the uh, of society in in one podcast. Yes, we will, we might, Michael. We can probably going to take at least two, three podcasts total. No, we can. Um, I believe in it. But why don't we move on to some things that we can solve? And that is uh, in our Ask Us Anything, Johnny. Um, why don't you tell everybody how they can do the asking of us anything? Okay. <laughs> you can you can ask us many things in many different ways. Uh, actually, only a couple ways, but you can ask us whatever you want. You can ask us anything by sending us uh, a tweet at 11dubcast uh, on the Twitter there. You can also uh, send us any kind of questions, and, and we do mean any kind of questions, uh, to, mm-hmm. our, um, to our email, uh, which is uh, dubcast at 11warriors.com. So do that. And, and again, ask us anything, just literally anything, and especially in the off season, there's so many things that must be on your mind. We want to hear it. We want to know what you're thinking. Right. And, you know, if you're thinking uh, you could think about ahead about the football season or all of the things that you don't think about during football season because football season is there. Right. Because it dominates your thoughts so thoroughly that you can literally not think about anything else. Yeah. You have you have more time on your hands for these discussions. So uh, let's go to our Twitter feed here uh, at 11 Dubcast. And uh, there's a couple questions there this week. Ken, we didn't get to your question uh, last, but he Ken says, I can't afford a real game, so I'm trucking my family to the spring game. Where should I park? Where should I uh, take the family to eat? Give me some sweet insider info. <laughs> what do you think, Johnny? I don't have any sweet insider info. I just have regular uh, everybody knows info. Um, I say park on one of the side streets. If you if you live far away, and it sounds like maybe you do, maybe not far away, but if you don't live within the city of Columbus. I would recommend finding one of the side streets. They probably will have somebody like you. Get, you know, you got to pay ten bucks to to park in a place. I think that's worth it, especially considering they drop down ticket prices down to five bucks again, which is very nice. I enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just get there early, enjoy it. Maybe even take in the lacrosse game that I think will be, you know, kicking everything off. It, it's a good excuse to get in early and just kind of enjoy it. Hopefully, it's a nice day. And again, you know that's the that's a great thing about the spring game, right? Because it allows people to go to the stadium who otherwise may not be able to afford, you know, four tickets mm-hmm. at sixty five dollars a piece, or you know, at the right. bare minimum. Um, after the game to eat, I mean, there's all kinds of places in Columbus. You know, I will never stop repping Mamas until the day I die. But that's probably not a place to take the kids. Uh, you know, it just depends what you're into and, and how fancy you want to get. If if you want to be like kind of Low key G. I think there's tons of stuff on on High Street. Uh, a lot mm-hmm. of Greek places. I was thinking about Greek today. Mm, Greek's good. Casuelas uh, is nice. I don't know. What What do you think? What's a good place to to take the family after the spring game? Do you think, Michael? Well, the cool thing, first of all, Ken, the spring game is not like a regular game where you're going to have as much trouble parking and as much trouble getting in and out and all that stuff. Depends so on the weather, right? You know, like it, yeah, maybe it depends a little bit on nice weather. Out, if it's nice out, you're looking at seventy, eighty thousand people who are trying to. But get you're out. not looking at one hundred and five thousand people. You're probably more like looking at like sixty thousand, and and, on, and on, you know, for a regular year a anyway. Yeah, it's a lot, but it's not it's it's not like wall to wall. And plus, regular game days, you don't just get the hundred and five thousand that go into the stadium. You get like ten thousand that that just stay outside and party. Yeah, that's true. So you're getting another, you know, how you, you won't have that either. I think you're fine to, you know, if you don't know your way around, just park whatever wherever's convenient. That's my advice because, you know, if you don't know your way around, you can get turned around and there's a lot of one-way streets and stuff, and you don't want to go through that aggravation while the kids are in the car going, Daddy, when are we going to be there? Um, 
That was my impersonation of a kid. I was about to say, um, it sounds like you're speaking from experience. It wasn't very good. It wasn't a very good impersonation. But um, so where should you eat? You know, there's a pretty good place uh, on the corner of Lane and, shoot, the other uh, the side street. Um, is it Neil? I'm talking about Tommy's. Oh, yeah, Tommy's. Tommy's is just on Lane, I think. Yeah, but it's on the There's corner. a couple so, locations. So you could you could go you could go to Tommy's and you know it's a good pizza place you can get some stuff there or you could uh, head down toward High Street and basically get in anywhere easier than you would get in on a real game day. Yeah, and if you want to tell you what if you want to go downtown if you want to you know hit some of the fancier places there's Dirty Frank's I if you haven't been to Dirty Frank's I recommend going to Dirty Frank's one of those kind of gourmet hot dog places it'll give you heartburn for like a week but it's worth it it's really <laughs> good and they have tater tots so that's nice. And if you're not from the area and you just, you know, you're just cruising into town, uh, you know, maybe maybe head down to German Village and go to Schmitz or something. Yeah, there you go. That's good. So there you go, Ken. That's our insider information, <laughs> all the insider information that we have. We're not Very really insiders. Yeah. Uh, Mark Milko on Twitter wants to know, uh, Johnny, favorite candy bar? Favorite candy bar? Uh, 100 grand. Easy. Done. That is a that is a stellar answer. Yeah, right it's there. a good bar, and I gotta tell you something. It's you know I used to uh, I used to tutor in high school. I used to tutor kids uh, three or four days a week after school, and at a different school, and that school had a vending machine with candy bars in it. And I always, after I dealt with kids who didn't want to do their homework for like an hour, I always got myself a hundred grand bar, and it felt very satisfying to have that. So I, I will always I always appreciate the hundred grand for as long as I live. Those are delicious. Uh, my favorite candy bar is no longer made. Mm-hmm. It's the Marathon candy bar. I don't know if I've ever heard of that. They were a foot long candy bar, which was like sort of a, a laced um, <laughs> with LSD. Um, no, it was like it was like sort of a, a woven looking thing that oh. was caramel covered with chocolate. Like it had holes in it, but it looked like it was like a lot of pieces that were like threaded together, like a long. Not some pistol. So basically, it was just a giant hunk of caramel with chocolate around it, and it was just in a nice, cool shape and form. So it it was very delicious, and I also really like to rep the hundred grand bar and also the the very difficult to find strawberry Charleston chew. Oh wow, that sounds good. I love Charleston chew. I think I would enjoy (laughs) the strawberry (laughs) version. I like. I like. You know, I just like. I like anything strawberry flavored. I think that's pretty tasty. All right. Make well, let's ask us anything. Bar. Yeah. <laughs> ask us anything, folks, at 11dubcast or dubcast at 11warriors.com. That's how you reach us. If we didn't get to yours this week, it's because we are blind and missed it in the email, and we'll probably get to it next week. That's right. Joining us on the Dubcast this week, uh, very uh, pleased to have with us the all-time scoring leader in Ohio State basketball history, Dennis Hobson, who is uh, now coaching at Bedford High School in Temperance, Michigan. Dennis, welcome to the Dubcast. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Man, uh, I have to tell you, it's it's great to have you on, but I'm almost sorry to hear that you're coaching in that state up north. <laughs> You know, actually, this is the way I see it. I'm really in Ohio because it's, I'm probably, it's right on the line of Michigan and Ohio. So if I'm going down the street here in Ohio, I'll run right into the high school. So that made it a little easier for me to coach in the other state because it's right there. It's right there. It's real easy for me to get to. 
All right. Well, at least you know you're in free throws distance from Ohio. That's a good thing. Exactly. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Speaking of free throws, we, we have been absolutely railing on uh, the Buckeyes for their 5 of 13 performance uh, against Michigan State the other night. And I wanted to ask you, what does a typical team do in, ter- in during the season in terms of practicing free throws? Like, like what would be normal for, for free throw practicing? You know, I think I think most guys are going to go from 10 to 15 minutes after practice, or some coaches will uh, shoot free throws after they go through a tough drill, or they make the guys run so they can get used to shooting the free throws when they're tired. Now, I know when I was at Bowling Green, we struggled um, from the free throw line a little bit, and, I, and it was more mental than anything. And I think um, you know, once you think about shooting free throws, or if a teammate or or you miss a couple free throws, I just think it becomes mental after that. Um, so you just have to stay focused. But, yeah, most guys are going to practice a lot of free throws uh, during practice. It's just more mental when you, when you start missing. So, you know, one of the things I think that's been a, you know, kind of a big story with Ohio State this year is the kind of coaching adjustments that Thad Mata has had to make over the course of the season, like, you know, change the defensive posture and all that. Is there still, I mean, the team, they had been playing a little better. What kind of adjustments do you think he has made over the course of the season that have really helped him out a lot? You know, I think that is that type of a guy. I thought that they, I think they played a lot of 2-2-1 back to a 2-3 early on. And um, I think he probably does that because he might have some guys on the team that, that aren't capable of guarding man-to-man or he felt they weren't capable of playing man-to-man defense. That's when a lot of guys go to zone defense. Um, I think during the year, I think guys might have been knocking down some jump shots against him, and he went out and started playing man-to-man. Um, I think he has the personnel to do both if he wants to do that because he does have some athletic guys and he has some guys with quickness and length that can defend, and I think when he went to the man-to-man, it, it kind of helped him out. I know sometimes playing zone, it kind of, uh, as a player, you get kind of stagnant. You play slow, um, but man-to-man kind of keeps the pace up a little bit, and I think they're doing a good job uh, with your man-to-man that you're playing. So the adjustments that he's made, he, he's a smart coach. He's going to do it to benefit his team, and uh, I applaud him because he is that type of a guy to where, He's not real predictable from year to year like a lot of coaches. I think he, he's flexible in mixing it up a little bit. You know, Dennis, one of the things about this year's team is they've relied very heavily on uh, freshman D'Angelo Russell. And um, as a guy who was sort of the main focal uh, point of attack for Ohio State in, in your time, you know, what's it like for a player to to have the pressure of maybe having to, to, to shoulder that load offensively when uh, you're not really sure what you're going to get out of the guys around you from night to night? You know, I, I think I think um, he that kid is mature beyond years. And um, it's, it's one thing that I do know. You, you know what you're going to get from him uh, night in and night out. Now, if you had guys, a whole team full of guys that you didn't know what you were going to get from them, that would be a different story. But I, I think he... he the position that he plays where he dominates the ball, he's capable of making plays for others, uh, you know, attacking the basket and spoon-feeding bigs for dunks or making a nice bounce pass bounce pass and transition or just feeding somebody for an open three-point shot or a two-point shot. 
he's capable of doing that along with uh, the, ha- having the capability of creating scoring opportunities for himself. And I think it's, it's a little easier when you're playing with, with a, a point guard that's capable of doing that. Um, now, if it was a, somebody else at a different position, it might be tough for them to make plays for others. But with him dominating the ball, hey, that, that's the type of player that you want uh, to dominate the ball because he can make plays for himself and others. So I give that kid a lot of credit. Uh, I think he's a very confident kid. Uh, when he steps on that floor, I think he has great passion for the game and he's going to play with great energy, even though it might not look like that. Uh, but he's very effective. Uh, with the way he plays, and I just love his confidence. You know, one of the things I was thinking about is the makeup of the team, and I, I kind of wonder about this, especially with the the success that like Wisconsin's having this year. Do college basketball teams really need to have like a lineup where they can go big at certain times, or is Ohio State can they can they have success in March, kind of playing small ball almost all the time? Uh, you know, I, I think they could have success. Again, I, I think that it is great at, at making the adjustments. Uh, if you uh, look at a team like a Wisconsin, uh, again, he has some personnel that, that's capable of doing uh, guard-like things, those big guys when he does go with the big lineup. But I, I think that, again, with Ohio State, um, who they are, uh, they definitely have an identity. And, uh, again, I think they're playing with a kid. Um, that that dominates the ball and he's able to make everybody around him better. So I think that they can go into marching and, and be a dominant team. You know, Dennis, one of the things about college basketball these days that, that um, you know, we didn't have uh, in years past uh, is the, the situation where kids come in and they play one year of college uh, basketball and then they, they turn pro and they go in the draft and go in the NBA and one of the things that always I was always curious about is like back in the day, if they had the one and done rule, you know, when you played and you had you know an outstanding freshman season, is that something you would have looked at, or or were you, you know, intent on on getting your 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 degree? No, I mean, it, it, I think back then, um, back when I I'm just going to use back when I played, you know, that wasn't the hot thing to do. It was uh, it wasn't even thought of. You, were, you know, you when you committed to a school. You were going to be there for the four years, and um, and 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 personally, if a kid had that opportunity to do that, okay, that's fine. I, personally, I would like the rule or see the rule be changed because what it affects is the, the coaches and the, the program. It affects them, I think, because you don't get an opportunity to get that commitment um, with a play, dominant player for you know two three years. And it's very tough to build a program when you have guys coming in being one and done, done players. So uh, I think if they were to do anything, I would change that rule, at least make a guy stay in school for a couple years, which will allow uh, college teams to build more of a program versus uh, a guy coming in one year and, and then you've done after that and then that program is starting over again trying to build something. It just makes it tough on a program and getting coaches in college. So, I mean, how do you then feel about guys like, you know, at Kentucky with Calipari where it's like that's basically his deal, right? Like he basically tells kids you're here for a year and then you're gone. And then how do you feel about that? Because I know a lot of people have some, you know, kind of – they're kind of conflicted about maybe some mixed feelings. I have mixed feelings. I mean, I I mean – 
uh, for him, it's a little different because he's getting he's he's going to get uh, eight nine uh, McDonald's All American each year, <laughs> right? You know, so it's a little different for for, for Kentucky. He 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 he's put a system, he's built a culture there. So that's what he to, to uh, so what he's going to get. But I just think for some of your other teams that might have a dominant player or two, and you lose them right after the first year. Right. I just think it's, I think it's tough. Um, I know four years of college did me did me wonders. I mean, because you go from being one player as a freshman to another player as a senior, and you can see the maturity and the growth. And I don't I don't fault these kids for doing that if they have the opportunity to do it. But uh, a lot of kids aren't mature and ready to handle the one and done. And what we see is we see a lot of kids that make it but there's a whole lot more that don't make it that come out of school early and people people don't know that but i I, again i think if i was in charge of it i would i would i would want kids to to stay uh at least two years to give a program a chance to develop this before we let you get out of here i want to ask you about college basketball in general and and what you've seen and the transition in in body types it seems to me that there are not as many of the of the good big men as there used to be. Uh, but on the other hand, it seems like a lot of teams are able to field three or even four guards that are in, a, in, in the body of what used to be a, a forward or even a big forward. Um, do you see that same type of transition in body type? And, and is, is it more, is it more of a, a chance nowadays for, for a guy to put five guys on the floor that are all built kind of the same and there's not just like a, a separation in heights like there used to be? Yeah, it, it's just I I know what you mean. It, it's just back in the day you used to have like uh, maybe rugged fours and fives, and um, that would be the position that they play. And then you get some of these guys trying different things, and they see if they get success. Uh, I look at I look at teams like Indiana, uh, like you said, they, they they spread you out and they play five out, and all all five guys are capable of playing off the bounce and making plays for their teammates to shoot shoot three point shots. Um, so I, I think, you know, the, the game goes in cycles. It, it, it goes in trends. Um, not everybody, like you just said, are, are big on the smaller type guys being able to play the athletic guys, being able to get up and down the floor and uh, and, and shoot the basketball um, unlike it used to be some years ago where you had rugged post guys that were physical inside and they could score uh, with their backs to the basket. So, I think everything goes in cycles. I think when one team does something and people see it working, a lot of other teams might try to do it. Um, in a couple of years, it might be something different. But if it works for you and you can get victories, that's what it's all about. Yeah, that's right. It's all about the, getting the W's in the column, right? Um, Dennis Hobson, thanks so much for, for joining us here on uh, on the, the 11 Dubcast this week. And, uh Certainly, uh, we're real happy to have you, and, and you know, best of luck to you in your in your coaching endeavors. Thank you. I appreciate it, guys. Appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Okay, take care. And that's our eleven dubcast for the week. Uh, big big thanks to Dennis Hobson, the Ohio State scoring leader. That's right. Uh, school record holder for points. Uh, in basketball, and uh, it was awesome talking to Dennis. He was great. Yeah, that I mean, that's cool, man. That's you know, there's a lot of people who are part of the fabric of the university that you kind of forget about, or you know, in my case, really 
aren't quite old enough to remember them playing. And like, he's a smart guy. Like it was really, I like talking to people who have that kind of knowledge about the game and who are that passionate about it. I mean, his, his career, like we didn't really get a chance to talk about it too much, but that dude has went everywhere playing basketball. He has had a fascinating career and life and it's, it's cool to kind of pick that dude's brain a little bit. He won a championship with Mike, Michael Jordan. He did, yeah. I think I think yeah. he only played a couple games with the Bulls that year, but screw it, got the he ring. That's all used, it matters, man. Yeah, he was used sparingly, but the dude's got a ring. That's right. You can't uh, you can't take that away from him legally. Um, <laughs> so here's my question for you, Johnny. Before we sign off, right, uh, final question. Going to give you a chance to give some thought to something here. Um, okay. I'm going to ask you for your Ohio State basketball. Mount Rushmore. Oh, gosh. Uh, that's a good question. Um, well, the first one's definitely going to be Jerry Lucas. Jerry Lucas is from my hometown and of Middletown, M. Tizzle, down down near the, the Nasty Natty. And actually, I grew up very close to where he grew up. And we, you know, I, I did not play a lot of basketball as a kid because that wasn't my game. But the basketball that I did play was actually on the same court that he used to play on at the park near where I live. Uh, so I think that's pretty cool. And he was like the you know, the LeBron of the 1950s, basically, in terms of high school basketball. Like, he was mm-hmm. he was it. Like, it, you know, people traveled for hundreds of miles just to see this dude play. Uh, you know, went to the Olympics, won a, an NBA title. You know, he, he won a title at every level. He was ridiculous. So he's definitely out there. Um, I think Hobson's got to be on there, too, man. All-time scoring leader, he was, he was the boss when he was on the team. I think he's probably got to be pretty high. Uh... Man, you got to I got to think that you got to pick somebody from the 06 team. And it's really sad that he didn't have the career that he should have had, but I think Greg Oden's got to be up there. And then I, you know, oftentimes you're going to want to put a coach or somebody. I mean, I, you know, I got a lot of problems with Bob Knight. I I I do not like that guy as much as a lot of other people do. I think he's not really a good person in a lot of ways. Um so I'm going to put that mod on there. Screw it. Those are going to be my guys. That's my four. All right, that's pretty good. That's uh, that's pretty good. I, I will have uh, agreement on two of those then, because uh, I definitely think Hobson as the all-time leading scorer yeah, certainly belongs up there. And and having being a little bit older than you, Johnny, I actually did get to to not only see some of his games, but I actually attended the game where he broke the scoring record. Right. That's awesome. Uh, so it was it was it was pretty cool. It was like a weird this weird late season game against. Uh, Florida International. I don't know why they were wedged <laughs> in the middle of the conference schedule, but they were. Yeah. Um, so Only Dennis Hobson for sure. Have with the Owls. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, Jerry, Lucas. I'm sorry. Jerry, Jerry Lucas, obviously. Yeah. I mean, you can't not have him on there. Uh, I'm going to go with also uh, the man that Hobson's record, uh, man whose record Hobson broke, and that was Herb Williams. Okay, that's good. Who's maybe the best center, you know, that Ohio State ever had. Yeah. And, um, and then... I'm going to go with somebody a little more contemporary, somebody who owns two uh, schools, uh, career records, and uh, that's Aaron Kraft. See, I thought about that. I mean, I like Aaron Kraft a lot. You know what? I mean, I don't think we we didn't mention Jim Jackson. Um, right. Another great, the great player. I mean, there's so many great players you could. You know, Evan Turner was a national right. player of the year. Jim Jackson. Yeah. Uh, you know, all. I, I had to. Like gun to my head, I'm eliminating the one at done guys like Odin and and uh, Mike Conley. Right. As, as good as they were, if they would have played even three seasons, they would have been you know surefire 
yeah. you know, college basketball Hall of Fame. And maybe that's uh, why I don't have Odin or, or I penalize Odin for that because he would not have been play, you know, able to play like any seasons beyond that. Honestly, um, you could put Sully up there, Jared Soldier, maybe. He was yeah, soldier, amazing. Yeah, Go back in time and do a little Havlicek there. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of good guys that you could put up there, and, and it's kind of cool because we, we do tend to ignore basketball in favor of football with, you know, mm-hmm. obvious reasons, but there's a, there's a lot of cool history there. Um, it really glad is. You, I'm just glad you didn't say Bob Knight. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, not Bob Knight, but I do like Thad Mata being on, up there. I, yeah. That was a good touch by you. Yeah. So uh, anyway, that's uh, that's our uh, dubcast for uh, for the week. Uh, you know, hopefully we'll have more to talk about next week, and uh, and uh, you know we'll we'll get together then. You know, we'll have a good time then. <laughs> because the cat's in the cradle. I'm 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 spiraling here, Johnny. That's I'm spiraling. Real bad, but okay. Uh, <laughs> until next week, I'm Michael Citro. I'm Johnny Ginner. Peace. Bye.